Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And once again, you are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us. Pastor Eric Jay here from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, who sponsors this show, where we dig into God's Word each week, celebrating the salvation that comes to us by God's grace through faith alone in our Lord and Savior Jesus. A faith, as Scripture says, that comes through hearing, and hearing itself comes through the words of Christ that we're going to be looking at today as we continue our series on people of the book, looking at the disciples as a, as a group, the, the calling of the 12 disciples and kind of what, what that means for us and what we can glean from that as disciples, as I pray you are one, uh, following Jesus. And if not, by God's grace, I pray by the end of the show, you do come to faith in Jesus if, uh, if he is not your Lord and Savior. Uh, Chip, Jason, always joining me in the studio. Good to see you guys. What's new? Good morning, everybody. Doing good this, uh, today. Yeah, you know, as I was sitting here thinking about what to say, I it came to mind that uh, you are particularly happy today because uh, it's cooling off out there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, and it's, I'm also happy because this past Thursday, uh, I got to go to a concert. I haven't been to a concert Gosh, I don't. I can't even remember. It probably was college. The last wow. time I went to a well, that's not true. I went to a U two concert uh, back at my when I was a vicar uh, at the very when I was still in seminary. Okay. So it has been over almost two decades yeah. since I have been to a concert. And we went and we saw Mercy Me. Oh, awesome! And, oh, uh, wow! Really? <coughs> yeah, cool. it was a fantastic concert, and uh, the generosity of of uh, someone that gifted us those tickets for uh, Pastor Appreciation Month. So, uh, I'm I'm happy as a clam because yeah. I got to go to a concert. My wife and I got to get away for a little bit. Uh, of course, the four month old at home has kept us busy for quite some time. Yeah. Where did the Where'd you see him at? Baxter. All right. Yeah, they yep. were right here in Omaha. That's awesome. Yeah. And, a little uh, different from you two, probably. <laughs> yep. Much better than, than you two, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we enjoyed it a lot. And uh, one of my favorite songs, uh, speaking of discipleship, as, as I was preparing for today, um, you know, they're probably best known for, um, you can, I can only imagine, mm-hmm. right? Um, but one of my fav- favorite songs is from an early album called uh, Bring the Rain. And as I think about discipleship, um, I think about the chorus to that song. It says, bring me joy, bring me peace, bring the chance to be free, bring me anything that brings you glory. And I know there will be days when this life brings me pain. But if that's what it takes to praise you, Jesus, bring the rain. Hmm. And that's, that's a, such, a, such a focus, not on our circumstances, 
but on our Lord and that our whole life as disciples is to bring him glory because he's our creator and our savior. And insofar as our life is dedicated to doing that, then we will find the glory we're looking for, which is a glory not of our own, but of Christ's. And that's there for us even in the rain. When that that chorus goes over and over uh, in Job, in Psalms, in Proverbs, it's it's amazing that that very thing where, Lord, I know I might be suffering, but you're still in control, and all glory be to you. Yeah, and as I've said uh, many times, that is what faith is, is trust. Trust in all circumstances. And the Lord is faithful. His mercies are new every morning. And as we look at the cross of our Lord, we see the hope that's in suffering. We see the life that comes through suffering. A suffering that's here because of our sin, uh, but a suffering that he has proven to be more powerful than through his own suffering, death, and resurrection. So as I said, we're going to be looking at the disciples and what that means here today. But before we get into that, Chip, please pray for us. Lord God, we thank you for your amazing word and for your sovereign wisdom that let us, even as sinful men, Lord, participate in its proclamation. We thank you that you chose those first 12 disciples, those apostles whom you called to begin its spread to the very corners of the world, the good news about your son, Jesus. Open our hearts and our minds to receive that word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so I thought we would uh, start by doing a little bit of review. If you've been uh, with us for any length of time, you'll know that most of that time has been spent in the Gospel of John. Uh, but John is, is really important when we come to talking about the disciples because uh, when you read the other accounts like Matthew that we'll get to, um, it can come across as if Jesus kind of just shows up out of nowhere. These guys are fishing like they always do. He says, hey, follow me, and then for reasons that cannot be explained, uh, they just boop, drop everything and leave. Yep. The stranger shows up and says, follow me, and they're like, well, okay, we got nothing better to do. Right. Um, but John gives us a lot of the backstory that happens before that specific calling, which, it's important to note, is the second calling of the disciples by the time we get to Matthew. There is a first calling of them to to follow him kind of locally, uh, and then the call to to leave everything, to, to actually leave their home, kind of like Abraham that we studied, right? Leave everything that's familiar to you and come and follow me. The same thing Jesus said to the rich young ruler, right? If, if you're going to be perfect, then leave everything and follow me. So looking at John 1, beginning in verse 29, John 1, 29 this is immediately after the Pharisees and Sadducees uh, come down to question who John the Baptist is because he's got this huge following, baptizing people, preparing the way for the Lord. And then after John's baptizing and telling people, hey, the one who's coming after me is greater than me. He's the one that you're looking for. It says in verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, which means look at that. That's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's the one I told you is coming after me and who ranks before me. And John bore witness to him, it says in verse 32. Talks about seeing the dove land on him uh, who was sent to baptize. Uh, and it, he testifies at the end of verse 34 that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, John is doing that, not just as John the Baptist with hundreds of thousands of people around, but it's important to understand that, as we're going to see in the next verses, the disciples that would become followers of Christ 
were disciples of John. They were some of the ones that had come to John in the wilderness, received that baptism of repentance, were listening to him, anticipating with John that this Messiah was coming. And so it says in verse 35, the next day again John was standing with two of his disciples. That's critical. They're his disciples at this point. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he says again, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Does it tell us who the two disciples are? Uh, One of the disciples, if you go to verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Uh, And then we're not told who the second one is. Okay. Yeah. Um, So they leave Jesus, or I'm sorry, they leave John the Baptist and start following Jesus. There hasn't been a call yet, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, But there, well, I take that back. There has been a call. It's come from John the Baptist. Right. Right, that call through his word and pointing, uh, they start following Jesus. Uh, and then the next day, in verse 43, Jesus decides to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. Okay, And this is after Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, followed him, and then he went and found Simon and said, hey, you got to come. And then Jesus says, you're Simon. You're going to be called Cephas. So this is working through the word of John the Baptist, working in the hearts of these disciples propelling them towards Christ. And then by the time you get to the end of John 1, Jesus now is taking the initiative and telling Philip, follow me. And then he'll talk to Nathaniel and do the same thing. So this is the initial kind of meeting of the disciples with Jesus. And I think what I want to point out here, especially coming off of talking about John the Baptist last episode, these disciples didn't seek out Jesus. Jesus first sought them out how? He came to them. Even before he showed up on the scene. Oh, through the written word, through the word of God. Yeah, through John the Baptist, right? Someone coming and saying, hey, listen, this guy's coming. He's the fulfillment of Malachi that we talked about in the last episode. And then when Jesus shows up, someone points and says, there he is. And it should be noted that that's what it took from the beginning, is the word, as I said earlier, Romans ten seventeen, that word that's heard is not only what gives faith, but it gives the ability to hear the truth. And so before we even get to Matthew, when Jesus says, hey, follow me, and they drop their nets and all that, it's important to know that Jesus was already working on these guys before he showed up. They're disciples because the word mercifully comes to them. Mm -hmm. They sat around in 400 years of silence. Now, albeit... Galilee at the time, you should probably know, was a, was a pretty faithful city. They, they had a culture of raising their children in the faith. This would have been something that they anticipated coming. Uh, there would have been confusion, but, but they were looking for it. They just didn't know who it was going to be, when it was going to come, and this is after 400 years. So the discipleship comes to us, which is good news, because that means that if you can honestly say, I'm a follower of Jesus— that can be your confidence of salvation because you didn't do it. Right. Well, and you said something there that they were looking for something, you know, uh, and, you know, I was there. We had this talk over a year ago, maybe a couple of years ago there, you know, at some point you're, you can only do so much here with your life, your world, your money, your people and everything. And you're, you're still coming up with an empty box and, 
Yeah. You know, then you're, you're, you know, and then, then he comes to you and you kind of figure out, oh, maybe that's what you're looking for. Yeah, the word comes, and just kind of like John the Baptist, right? I mean, discipleship still works the same way today. That's kind of what I'm trying to drive this to, is somebody's going to come and say, hey, behold, that's what you're looking for. That's the guy. This other stuff ain't going to cut it. And through that message, not only does Jesus reveal himself, but through that message, Jesus calls people today. Well, and I think speaking from personal experience, the older I get, you know, I've had some success in, in my business and, and, you know, have friends and, and that kind of thing. And it, as I get older, it seems like the clarity of what truly captures my heart always comes back to Scripture. Sure. Because the, the things that, you know, we, I'm blessed in that we get to experience different things and, and, uh, um, but, Nothing satisfies mm-hmm. like the word. Yeah. And even that is such a great testimony to the fact that this is the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think what you're kind of touching on there is also what we see in this calling of the disciples is a process. Mm-hmm. And, and that's important for us because the Lord is constantly calling us. Even as disciples, he's, he's calling us further into a relationship with him. And the, the Gospels, and I, I need to take a moment to clarify, when you read the Gospels, John has this early on. If you go to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they don't have the calling of the disciples uh, until much later. Jesus has gone through temptation and everything else. Um, and, and so some people will look at this and go, well, John has them here, and then he does the wedding at Cana. He does the temple cleansing, Nicodemus, uh, the, the woman at Samaria. He heals an official son. He's teaching in the synagogues. All that's going on after this first initial meeting, before he gets to the point of asking them, leave everything and follow me. And if you go to chapter 2 of John, you, you get a little bit of that progression, especially at the wedding of Cana. Uh, where he turns water into wine. And John makes this note in verse 11 that after Jesus performs that miracle, this is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, why might that be so significant given the order that John puts things in? That here at Cana, this was the first sign and it's here that his disciples believed in him. Well, I've said this many times. There's, it's not always easy to just believe any random person. Right. And, and at that point, you know, are, is he still a random person to him? Oh, no. No. Even, even by the time that Jesus, Jesus came to call them, um, he, he would have been known at that point if for no other reason than what John the Baptist did. And my point is, John's telling us after Jesus called them, after the word made them disciples, now they believe. Well, you we, we put the cart before the horse, right? We think, oh, you have to believe enough to be a disciple of Jesus. Well, yeah, if you think discipleship comes from you, sure. But Jesus knows where we're at. Yeah, he's calling on us, but he's not calling collect. We don't have to pay. 
Right. There's there's nothing we can give him. He doesn't call us because we're we're good enough. I mean, what prophet ever was worthy? What did Isaiah say when he was called? Woe is me, I'm a dead man. Mm-hmm. I'm a man of unclean lips. And yet it's such the human tendency, especially in Christianity in America with affluence and all the perceived ability that we have, that we put the onus of discipleship on us. And there's just no joy and hope in that. You, you, that's when you see Christians, you know, sometimes that are just overly zealous, maybe a little bit. Like it's a manufactured joy and happiness because, well, that's what I have to be. I, I say I'm a disciple. No, as Mercy Me saying, I can, I can have joy even behind tears because I am a disciple of Christ, because none of this is dependent upon me. I can have joy even in repentance. When I'm confessing to God, I I have failed miserably, and I'm no less a disciple. The fact that I'm repenting is the evidence that I am a disciple and saying I can't do this on my own. So I I think it's important for us to hear as Christians that, that no matter where you're at in your walk as a disciple, that you are where the Lord wants you to be right now. And if you weren't, <laughs> he'd call you into the next phase. And and it is a process. It's nothing we're going to get all at once. Well, and that can be frustrating. <laughs> you know, but I I, I was even uh, as we're covering the disciples today, you know, all the way up until they were given the Holy Spirit after Christ had been crucified and rose again back to be with his Father in heaven. There's doubt. Uh-huh. There's unbelief. Uh-huh. And yet they're still his disciples. Yep. And that, honestly, up until the last couple of years where I started really digging in and, and you know, through your teaching, Pastor, that ha- had never really been something that had been pointed out to me. And I think that's one of the one of the sad things about, you know, the Americanized version of of faith. Right. Is is look, these guys were the apostles and even they had doubts. And I just read in my devotional uh, yesterday, uh, uh, where the man said, Help me in my unbelief mm-hmm. and that is a daily, daily prayer for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it recognizes where faith comes from. Right. It comes from him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've Use this just with someone that asked to meet with me the 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 other week. Um, I I said something to them in private that I've said in public many times. It's impossible to have a crisis of faith without faith, and you're going to have many of them as you follow Jesus. Yep, we saw it with Abraham, right? Isn't that what caused him to sleep with Hagar mm-hmm. and Sarah to approve of it? Yeah, being a disciple isn't about our faithfulness to Jesus. It's first about his faithfulness to us and our trust in that. That's the only hope we have of being faithful is understanding that discipleship is is his call and it's his work. We follow him. Well, and just like what you just read, his first sign manifested his glory. Right. And then they believed. Yeah. yeah. And, and then they're not going to believe. And then they're going to believe. And right. then- <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, so... It, that's just, true today. Right. I was just talking with a coworker the other day who was worried that, you know, he'd lost his way and was questioning his faith. And so I, you know, I see it in people 
Jesus welcomes our questions. And we, we forget this so easily. And, you know, we didn't have time to cover it, but if you go back to John 1, when he was calling Nathaniel, uh, Nathaniel couldn't believe that uh, Jesus knew him because mm-hmm. he says, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there's no deceit. And he says, How do you know me? And Jesus said, Before Philip called you, uh, I saw you under the fig tree, which was a common place for prayer and devotion. We, we so easily forget that Jesus is eternally ahead of us. We, we're not in a, he's not shocked when we're like, Lord, I'm really struggling with this. He's like, oh, well, boy, I guess uh, hmm, we're going to have to talk. <laughs> no, he knows. And so he wants us to bring our doubts to him, our struggles to him, our fears to him. That's what he's called us for, and that's what he's called us to. Just like a father, right? When what father wants their kid bringing their problems to somebody else? Even if they're mad at me, I want my kids to be mad with me, not not somewhere else, because that's not healthy. Jesus welcomes all of that. And I think that's why we have this early call of, of the disciples that John gives us to, to see that, that Jesus not just called them through his word and his prophet John, but he called them into truly following him, that he was going to lead them, and that it's by his leading, him showing his miracle at Cana, the official son, the other things that he's doing, the conversations with Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman, all of which they're witnessing before Jesus comes to them in Matthew 4, verse 18. And walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So these, he's already called them, right? They're, they're technically disciples, He's now calling them to a deeper discipleship. They're, they've been following him. They've been hearing his teachings, but they're still home. They're still doing their jobs. They're still going about their daily life, doing fishing. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Does that mean exactly what it says, you know, instead of fishing for fish, but uh, fishing for men to follow? Yeah, absolutely. It means exactly what it says. Yeah, And I think the fact that that's all he says here, and if you read the other synoptic gospels, it's similar. They clearly understood what he meant. Right? Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. They understood two things, I think. Now he's calling us to go, to be sent ones, apostles. And he's calling us, as part of that, to leave what we're doing now. Not to be fishers of fish but to be fishers of men. Well, and if, if memory serves, in their culture at the time in particular, when you chose, you typically would choose who you would follow, uh, like John the Baptist. In this case, the teacher chose them, and that was a little bit upside down from the norm, I guess. Yeah, that would have been another very compelling thing. If you were um, a serious Jewish student mm-hmm. and you were zealous for God, um, then you would seek out a rabbi and essentially apply. Ask if you could become one of his disciples, one of his te- uh, students. Mm-hmm. Um, and by saying you wanted to be one of his students, you weren't just talking about um intellectually gaining their knowledge but you wanted to be like them so that's that's very a hebrew understanding of disciple is i'm not just listening to your teaching and learning what you know 
I want to follow in your footsteps. I want to be you. Right. So the fact that Jesus, <laughs> as a rabbi, breaks that rule entirely only emphasizes the fact that in the kingdom of God, which is often upside down from how we operate, we don't come to him. He comes to us. And as I've said and will always say, that's the hope of being a disciple. That's the hope of believing is that it doesn't come from me because if it comes from me, it's going to break down no matter what. Yep. So it says in verse 20 of Matthew 4, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And that's where I say it's important to know that this there was relationships going on before this. Right? Can Jesus interrupt someone's life without warning and convert them on the spot? Yes. And we're going to talk about in the next episode when we look at Saul who was not just ignorant of Jesus, he was the enemy of Jesus, who would become the apostle Paul only when Jesus interrupted him from going to kill more Christians and in that moment converted Saul's heart. Yes, he can do that. Is that the way that Jesus usually goes about it? No. He usually goes about it through a process of discipleship. And I think that, again, it's important for us to realize that to follow Jesus doesn't mean you have to drop everything you're doing right now. Maybe that is. If he wants you to do that, you'll know. If you're wondering, I'm not sure he wants me to leave everything, then you haven't gotten the call. He can do that. Yeah, good call. <laughs> but most often, Jesus will say, hey, right where you're at, you can truly still leave everything without leaving it. Because think about what he told them. I'm going to make you fishers of men. He didn't ask them to become engineers. No, they were fishermen. He All was he using the skills they knew already. At, he was using the life they had, the skills he had given them. Even with his own disciples, there was the process leading up to that. But even it, when it was time to, to take that next step, it wasn't an abandonment of who you are it may just be how you're applying it so if you're an engineer the question for us today is jesus is coming to you and saying follow me mr or mrs engineer so how are you going to engineer for the gospel rather than for a paycheck and you could apply that to trucking marketing music teaching fill in the blank I'm going to make you a teacher for the gospel rather than a teacher for men. I'm going to make you a marketer for the gospel, marketer for men, a trucker for the gospel. It, that's what Jesus is doing today. And it doesn't mean you have to stop doing what you're doing. It does mean, hey, start doing it with the gospel as the goal. And then, like the disciples, that's where you're going to start to see the miraculous hand of God. And that's what we have the joy and privilege and opportunity to do is maybe not physically or really leave our jobs or families. But look, you can't love your wife or your children unless you love Christ first. Whatever love you have for them is incomplete. Whatever job you're doing is not the best job you can do. If Christ is not your first love, your first boss, your first paycheck, your first everything, that's what it means to be disciple. We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. 
If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.